Welcome to the ITAD Talk podcast and part two in this series. Um, this next question you may have already answered. It kind of goes along with what you were just saying, but um, what is your process for organizing your project management efforts? Yeah, so that kind of, yeah, it, it kind of was already answered in a sense, but to be more specific, I, I try to keep things as simple as possible. Um, and communication and over-communication, I have found to be more successful because people will always, People may disregard over-communication, but they will certainly remember when you didn't communicate enough. So I find that, you know, recognizing the pitfalls and making everyone aware of setting an expectation, exceeding those expectations, it's really about the psychology more so than it is the task. I mean, if you're, if you're competent in the skills that you're providing IT-wise for somebody, and you know the approach, you know the success rate because you've applied it elsewhere, then it's really about getting the customer and the person that you're working with on said project comfortable with what you're about to do. And through better communication, that's also how that can be accomplished. Um, You know, I found a lot of times when I was responsible for a certain project, you know, I was updating people hourly or, you know, depending on Mm. what I felt was necessary, but I was still doing it to an excessive amount you don't always get like a reply back, you know? And so it's kind of like, it's almost like thankless or rewardless. Mm. But like I said, the alternative is, Hey, where the hell are, you know, where are you guys? Or I bought this product like X amount of days ago. When are we going to implement? You know, it's, and meanwhile, you could be working like a dog and having your, your staff working overtime and everything else. But if nobody communicates back to the customer, then you kind of look bad. You just, you look like you're not doing anything, even though, You've been doing nothing but that. So. You know, it's funny you mentioned that because kind of I was on the phone yesterday with a, the cable company trying to update a couple things, change a credit card, change a password, and then some of the services um, stopped working. And then, of course, you're on the phone with them, and it's like you're, you know, you're kind of upset and you're irritated because you know you're, you're on the phone for sometimes an hour, you know, going from tech to tech to tech, right? And sometimes they've got you offshore as well. And then finally, when, when your problem is solved, it's like okay done right <laughs> so that that just kind of reminded me a little bit of what you're talking about that that the thankless part is that uh you're really important until their problem is off their plate and 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 then they're, they're uh, gone right <laughs> right right like one of the biggest things um you know for help desk you know that i try to teach the guys that that work for me you know they is like setting that expectation, but also sometimes it is kind of a thankless job in the sense that like, so you, you know, do you take a specific ticket, you know, somebody sends in a ticket to the health test and says, I have this problem. And then they, you know, you fix the problem and you may not actually get the thank you (laughs) because people are task oriented. They're focused on what they're doing. So there's always this kind of confusion of like, when do I close the ticket? Cause you don't want to seem like you're rushing because if you put it, if you, if you twist, turn it on yourself and you say to yourself, well, how do I feel when I get support, right? Um, I'm sure we've all had that situation where you send, in a, um, you send in a ticket for, you know, some widget that you own to support. And then, it, like for me, a personal pet peeve is when I contact the support system and they give me an answer. And the answer actually is not like the final answer. It's just an answer. And then I go back and I see that my ticket status has, has solved. 
Mm. And it's not solved. It's just they felt that they did their job, so they solved it, and then they closed it out. But really, they should be waiting for, you know, the follow-back of like, okay, so if I do this, this, and this, then that'll, that'll work, like the clarification part. Right. And so I'm very keen on making sure that, like, I don't resolve a ticket unless I'm absolutely sure that I'm now part of the, the dust poof of the person going 100 miles an hour that is now just focused on their task. I don't blame them for that. But I definitely want to make sure that, you know, based on like the quote I was saying before, I don't want people to feel that it's like, well, I gave you an answer. So there's no reason for me to keep this ticket, you know, in my queue. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with this issue, be reminded of this issue any more than I have to. So, um, so yeah, at the risk of having, you know, better numbers of closure and we closed X amount of tickets in, in certain amount of days, I would rather leave those tickets open and know that everybody's cool then just close the tickets just because I know that I did my part, you know? Yeah. That uh, kind of goes a little bit along with this uh, next question I want to ask is what are some of the most common mistakes or misconceptualizations with system de- with system deployment? So uh, I have a lot of experience with this and I'm sure a lot of techs could probably identify with the same thing. And you brought up a perfect example before uh, dealing with the cable company um, because I'm sure we've all had a, a technician or a, somebody in our home, even a plumber uh, or, a, or, you know, an HVAC guy um, who wasn't the person that necessarily received the right information or, or wasn't the, the original person that you dealt with. Um, so I find that discovery is probably the number one thing that has always frustrated me, uh, either being part of a deployment or running a deployment. Um, and when I say discovery, I mean that really, I mean, especially now with COVID, it's really difficult. Um, I would say for any organization to have boots on the ground all the time, but the, the real, the real thing is really discovering what are the conditions? What are we seeing? What are we going to see when we get there? Um, because that makes a difference in how you deploy stuff and, and, you know, not picking on the telecoms or whatever, but, you know, I've had countless times, you know, where you've have a, a, a person, a Verizon guy or a cable Comcast mm-hmm. guy in your home and you, your expectation based on the customer service rep that you dealt with was I'm going to get this installed, this installed or that set up. And then the technician comes out and he says, well, I can't do this because of X, Y, and Z, or you don't have this, or, you know, there's a concrete wall and I can't drill through it, or that wasn't covered. So it's just like deployments really, uh, to me, it's the devil's in the details. And any deployment that I was probably the most frustrated with, it was really because either the project manager or the person who initiated the project was not diligent and just as diligent in you know, forensically finding out what are we going to deal with when we get there? Do we have any obstacles to overcome? And then sending out, you know, whether it's product or commissioning a service to be done so that you don't get those headaches and those bottlenecks of, of issues. And then what ends up happening is that the customer could take it either way. Like they could either roll with the punches, but in most cases, you know, if you're inconveniencing them, for example, to set aside time to do certain things, well, then you just wasted like an hour of their time because now the person who has eyes on, you know, boots on the ground is now seeing something, relaying it back to the office, and the person who's receiving that information now has to reassess, oh, okay, well, we didn't know that. 
so it may seem like an over expense for some companies, but I feel that you can never spend enough on discovery because it just saves you so much time later on where you don't have to go back and like clean up a huge mess or reschedule, which is like the biggest, you know, inconvenience for everybody. Yeah. It's funny you say that because when uh, we first moved to Florida over 20 years ago and um, it was kind of a new, uh, a new development and we were only the only house on this one street that had been built so far. And um, I was doing a lot of the phone work from, from my home at that time prior to going through, you know, growing through several buildings like, like we are now, but, uh, they, we'd always have these lightning storms that would come through and, uh, would, would knock out the phone system and everything. And so I, I figured out it was always the third technician that could finally fix the problem. <laughs> they would send out the first right. guy and it was like, Oh, that's over, over his head. And what it usually was is a card. And so the third guy would have the card and know how to replace the card and, and the box, you know, I guess the lightning would always fry these cards out, but uh, yeah, that kind of go, goes along with what, 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 what you were talking about. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Um, and, and that's also because of that same, you know, whoever's running the project or the department or whatever their triage plan is, um, it's usually to throw the lesser, uh, I don't say the lesser of the tech, but say the lesser qualified tech at the problem first because everything in IT is tiered. Mm-hmm. So you have tier one, two, three, and four. So, you know, you don't want to send a surgeon, you know, to the emergency room to put a Band-Aid on somebody, right? Because obviously that's, you know, kind of out of that, that price range. Um, and and it's kind of overkill. Um, but so that's usually, like you said, the third guy is usually the guy that, you know, probably could have done it and it would have taken the less amount of time the first time, but because the other guys weren't actually experienced with or, or allowed to go past that level of triage, then they couldn't really get it done even if they wanted to. So, um, so do you think there's a better, again, a, do you think there's a better way to organize the labor pool like that? I mean, either train up the lower level guys or have some sort of a a questionnaire check system to where, you know, it's going to need the third guy, or if you see the same problem reoccurring over and over again, then you know that you might need to send the third guy first, you know? I think that, um, the approach, I mean, it's, it's definitely on a monetary level. Mm. So for me to speculate or to say that, you know, all companies should have, you know, technicians that are, you know, overqualified for what they're doing. That's something that, you know, I don't necessarily know if that would quantify and and on a large scale, you know, it is necessary, I think, to have tiers because if it's a simple problem and you have somebody who is a certain level tech, then they can solve those problems quite easily. There are, however, companies out there that actually subscribe to the same mentality as what I'm talking about, which is they actually don't have tiers. So, um, they actually hire people that are fully qualified to do soup to nuts, um, you know, level one to four, um, because their, their, their theory is, you know, there's no tech issue that's too small for anybody. So even if you're, you know, by terms of, uh, life experience or technology skills, you know, you can, you're gods among men, you know, it's still not beneath you to change your password. So, um, I kind of like that mentality because only because it then takes one person to solve your problem. 
you don't have to do the right. transfer thing. And, um, and, and too, the, again, and the, the transfer and the relationship with the customer is that much better, right? Because he's not, you know, down for an extended period of time, having to have two or three people come come back and try to solve the problem. Right. Well, it also has to do with discovery, and and like going back to my 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 comment on discovery. So the reason why people feel like they're getting jumped around and it's very frustrating for us as consumers to be thrown from this person to this person, this person is because the first person you talk to actually isn't even understanding what your problem is, Mm. or they have set rules on what they can do or what they can't do. Um, So what I'm saying is like, you know, even Apple has tiers where you get somebody and then they're like, all right, this is out of my wheelhouse or what I've been trained to do. So let me get you an expert. Um, But they do it in a way because the first person actually is discovering what the real problem is. So, and I know there's going to be people that hear this and say, oh, I had to talk to five people at Apple to get my problem solved. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, it's, you know, it's still going to happen. But I, I would say to that point, I think even amongst my peers, like in working in different uh, IT environments, whether it was for managed services, you know, you can have five guys that are all technically in the same tier, but everybody has their strengths and weaknesses. So yeah, maybe the first guy who's handling it doesn't have as much experience with that, you know, but maybe the guy sitting next to him who is, you know, definitely qualified, just as qualified, um, you know, he may just know exactly what it is and that's just strength in numbers. And that's, that's just tech, you know, that's the, the, the idea of sharing technology amongst each other is, is also a good me- methodology, ideology, but I digress. Um, so, yeah, I, I wouldn't say that everybody should adapt, you know, hiring a level four for all things because, quite honestly, it's expensive. Um, and if your numbers don't jive with the, the what you're doing or what you're charging, then it could be a detrimental nightmare. But it is kind of a concept to at least be mindful of or aware of. Um, I would definitely make sure if I was like starting some kind of support initiative, I would definitely start something that had to do with my first tier, not necessarily having to be experts in solving the problem, but I would teach my tier one to identify problems so that the one hop, and it's only has to be one additional hop to get them to the solved, you know, the person who's going to solve the problem. Thanks again for tuning in. And don't forget to subscribe anywhere you listen.